John chapter 4 and just a few verses. Verse 31. In the meanwhile his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said his disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Click over to the next chapter, to chapter 5. Just one verse, verse 36. But I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. Then go to John chapter 17, please. Verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou sent. I have glorified thee on the earth, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And our last one is in John chapter 19. John chapter 19 and verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head, and gave up the ghost. Let's pray. Father, we ask you in Jesus' name that you would lead us and guide us this evening through your word. The entrance of thy word giveth light and it gives life to every heart that receives it. So help us all, Father, to understand, to take notice, Lord, that your Son has paid it all. Glorify the name of the Lord Jesus in our hearts and in our lives. Thank you for your presence. We ask you now to settle us all in with yourself and glorify thine own precious name. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. It's surprising how many people, something wrong with the sound voices, it's okay. It's surprising how many people trying to reach heaven, trying to enter the kingdom of God, trying to be saved by their works, their alms, their deeds, by their being a good person, by their denomination, by one way or another, by this or that. And they're trying to work out their way to salvation. And they think if I can turn my own life around, if I can do something that will please God, if I can get to the pearly gates as they think, 
on that day and the whole stories about meeting St. Peter and all this sort of stuff, which we know is nonsense, but they think of all this in their mind. And they think of it all in their heart. And they wonder, how can I ever reach the kingdom? Some people think that they will, no matter how they are, or what condition their heart is in, or whether they have led a life that is in love with the Lord Jesus Christ or not. They try to surmise and to think of what they can do And at that day where they will stand and surely God will allow me to enter the kingdom even though I have rejected Christ, even though I have turned away from his word, even though I have never once bowed the knee nor come to the cross of Calvary by faith under the precious shed blood of Jesus They think that they one day will still enter God's heaven, the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us, distinctly tells us, that every man and every woman are sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's you and that's me. All of Adam's race have sinned. All of us became depraved in our nature. In other words, our nature was capable of the vilest offenses. And not only that, but our nature is totally dead. Completely dead in their sins and in their trespasses. And being dead, you and I have no hope, no help, and no way of being able to save ourselves. In other words, unless God himself comes, or unless God himself came, every single one of us would be found in our sin, every single one of us would be lost for all eternity, And unless God and God alone came, every single one of us would be lost and on our way to hell. In our reading in John chapter 19 and verse 30, it says, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Notice the three words which the Lord cried from the cross. It is finished. Now I put to everyone tonight that if Christ is not almighty God veiled in flesh. If Christ be not the same creator God who made the heavens on the earth. If Christ is not the fullness of deity, clothed in humanity, then he is no more than a mere prophet. He is no more than a spiritual guru who hangs upon a cross on some sort of a mission for a religious turnaround of the hearts of men and women. And if that be so, then all of us are still lost in our sin. God and God alone had to come to save us from our sin. But I put it to you that according to the scriptures, Jesus is the fullness of Almighty God. Jesus is God Almighty, Yahweh Elohim, Jehovah Adonai himself, clothed in flesh, hanging on a cross or a tree. And he is the one who paid my debt and yours. He cries, it is finished. Notice he didn't say, I am finished. You and I might say, I can't do this anymore. 
I can't cope anymore. I'm sick of being good. I'm sick of trying and giving to charity and to alms and deeds. And I'm tired of denominationalism and ritualism and ceremonialism. And I don't know what else to do. I'm tired. I am finished. Well, when you get to the end of yourself, you'll see Christ is your only means and method of salvation. And you'll hear him cry for you. It is finished. And you will be saved. How do you propose you'll get to heaven? How will you enter the kingdom of God? He cried it is finished. God himself took my sin and yours. Bore our shame and our suffering on the cross. He cried it is finished. What was finished? What was finished? The work of God was finished. When Jesus cried it is finished. It's called the finished work. Of Christ on the cross. There's nothing to add. There's no supplement to it. The old Puritan says it's a destructive addition to add anything to Christ. And once a man and a woman say I believe Christ died for me. Yet think they have to do certain things for salvation. Yet think they have to still go on pilgrimages. And give alms and deeds. And think they still have to rub rosaries and count them. Or think they have to do whatever it takes. Like wrapping so many doors to see how much they can get around. To be able to add to the work of the cross. The finished work of Christ. Once a man or a woman try to add anything To Christ's work, it is a destructive addition to the work of God. You're not saved by grace through faith. You're looking to be saved by your own works. But I believe in Jesus is the cry. Well, if you believe in Jesus and his finished work, then let that be enough and let it be for your redemption. It is finished, he cried. What was finished? The work of God was finished. That is, the redemptive work of God was finished. The atoning work of God was finished. The sacrificial work of man to God was finished. No more slaying of animals. The curse of the law that was upon us. The curse of the commandment that showed us our need of a saviour. It is finished. We are no longer under the curse, but under the grace of God. The curse was finished. The debt of your sin and the debt of my sin was finished. It was paid in full. Paid in full means it's paid and that's it. It's paid and you don't try It's paid and you don't clean up your life and clean up your act and get yourself together. It's paid in full. Jesus paid the penalty for all of our sins on the cross of Calvary. Christ cried, it is finished. The finished work of God in Christ. He didn't cry, it will be finished. He didn't cry, it someday will be finished. He didn't cry, it might be finished. He didn't cry, it's partially finished. He didn't cry, it's finished. Try the rest yourself. He cried from the cross, it is finished. It stays finished and it always will be finished. For he has paid it all. God himself veiled himself, clothed himself in humanity. After the nature of Abraham. And he hung upon the cross of Calvary. Listen to some scriptures uh, as we go through them. Speaking of the suffering of our Lord. And how he bore it all for you. He done it all that you couldn't do. 1 Peter 2 and 24 says of the Lord Jesus. Who his own self. Notice that. Who his own self. 
bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live on the righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Notice what Peter says. He says, the one who hung on the cross, almighty God in flesh, he took on a body that he might bear your sin. He took it for you. In fact, Matthew chapter 8 and verse 17. Matthew, speaking of our Lord Jesus, healing the sick and casting out devils and demons. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. It says, and he healed all that came to him, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, or Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our sicknesses and bare our infirmities. He looked at Christ before the cross And he says, this is the one whom Isaiah has said. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Peter now looking back, he sees it all completed, done and dusted in Christ. And he says he bore our sins himself. He didn't send an angel He couldn't send a prophet. He came himself. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 and 4 says, Christ died. Now you need to note what we're speaking of here. We're speaking of Almighty God. The Son of God. We're speaking of that perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. He who is the the bosom of the Father, the Word of God made flesh, the concept and the mind of, of Almighty God from eternity past, now being revealed and made manifest unto you and I, hanging on a cross, and we are told Christ died for our sins. Christ died for you. Christ died for me. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Notice he bore in his body. He bore our sins in his body. Christ died for our sins. He didn't die for his own. He died for ours. Hebrews 1 and 3. Speaking of the Lord Jesus saying. Who being the brightness of his glory. That is the brightness of the Father's glory. On the express image of his, the Father's person. And upholding all things by the word of his power. Notice when he had. That is when Christ had. When Jesus had went to the cross it means. When he had by himself purged our sins. Christ went to the cross and he purged me. He purged me. He wrung me out. He washed me clean. Through and through with his precious blood. He purged me from my sins. And he purged you also from yours. And he went to the grave and he rose again. And he ascended into heaven. And he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That's what it has taken For you and I to be redeemed. You know people say. And I said it a few weeks ago. It's easy to be saved. You just ask Jesus into your heart. Or at the last minute before I die. I just say forgive me Lord. Forgive me Jesus I believe. Now friends. I believe in deathbed repentance. Don't get me wrong. But one thing I know for sure is this. And one thing I am a certain of in my own heart and with my own experience before God is this. Every single man and woman, every single person in this place, every single person who will hear my voice will stand at either one place or another before God that is the great white throne for the unsaved or the judgment seat of Christ for the saved and you will give an account for your life. People say, oh, you just asked Jesus into your heart at the last minute. Let me say this. Our Lord and our God knows the hearts of every man and woman. 
And the Lord and the Lord who knows every heart of every man and woman. He searches that heart and he tries that heart and he examines that heart. And on that day he will reveal everything from the life of that heart. And our Lord and our God, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom we will all stand before at either the judgment seat of Christ or the great white throne. Every single one of us who stand there, he will know whether we truly received him and loved him or not. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ, he died for me. He died for you. And people say it's easy to be saved. I want to let you know, it is not easy to be saved. That's a myth and that's a lie. I want to tell you something. It's impossible for you to be saved. Absolutely and totally and completely impossible for you to get saved. But with God, all things are possible. God himself had to come. God himself was clothed in flesh. And if God didn't come, I would be in my sin and I would be lost. We were upstairs praying. We started singing an old chorus. And it just seemed to bless the whole prayer meeting. He came to me. He came to me. When I couldn't come to where he was, he came to me. That's why he died on Calvary. When I couldn't come to where he was, he came to me. A wretched sinner. He comes to the alcoholic. And he comes to the drug addict. And he comes to the prostitute. And he comes to the terrorist. And he comes to the man who's rich and the man who's poor. And he comes to the woman who's rich and the woman who's poor. And he looks past it all and he quickens our hearts. And he imputes his righteousness when we come to saving faith in him. And we stand before God justified in his sight. When he came, he came meaning business. God didn't come with a, a whimsical chance of maybe. Maybe they'll accept me. God came for his elect, knowing who would receive him. He came with a plan and with a purpose, and he came for you tonight. He came knowing those whom the Father had given to him. All that the Father giveth me. Shall come to me, he says. Here in Philippians 2 and verse 8, listen to this and being found in fashion as a man. What does Paul mean here? Philippians 2 and 8, he says, and being found in fashion as a man. It means God being found looking like a man. God being found. In fullness of humanity. Notice this. He humbled himself. Wow. The one who spoke the stars into being. Clothed in flesh and humbled himself. Notice this. And became obedient unto death. This is, this is the son of God. Became obedient unto death. Notice, even that. Look at the way the writer, the Spirit of God moving on Paul's pen as it were. Look at what he says. Even the death of the cross. He came to die. Oh, not just an ordinary death, but on a torture implement. And he bore my sin and yours on the cross of Calvary. You see, that's why you'll never save yourself unless you come to saving faith in Christ. And if you come to saving faith in Christ, you will realize that it's God who's working in your life. That God is drawing you. 
that God is calling you, that God is speaking to you, and you will be quickened by the Spirit, made alive unto God, and you will see the Lamb of God hanging in your place, in your room instead on the cross, and he's crying, it is finished! And you will say, Christ is enough, yea, more than enough for me. He has paid my debt. And you will trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on to your own understanding. We like that little verse. You know, we can trust those. It's nice to know God's in charge, and it is. And we'll not look at what we see, but we'll believe God for, for the work things out for us. Listen. First of all, trust in the Lord for your salvation and don't lean on your own understanding to see how or why or whatever you can do to be born again because you cannot. You must be birthed to the kingdom we told the people this morning. You must be born again. And only that comes from a move of the Spirit of God in the heart and in the life. 1 Corinthians 13 and 4 says of the Lord Jesus, the apostle says, For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. Through the weakness, that flesh that was nailed hand and foot, that flesh that bled red blood, that flesh that got tired and weary, that flesh that felt every Roman lash, That flesh who felt the crowd of thorns being driven into his brow. That flesh that got thirsty and he cries, I thirst. That same flesh was nailed to the cross. And when he died and went to the tomb, day one, and he was gone. Day two, No sign of Jesus. Day three. Up from the grave he arose. He arose. He liveth by the power of God. Here's a picture of our resurrection. That you and I will live by the power of God. All who are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Is it any wonder the apostle said in 1 Corinthians 2 and 2. For I determined not to know anything among you. Save Jesus Christ and him crucified. So then he wonder, he says, look, I go to your church, I don't want to hear fancy fairy tales and wee stories. And I don't want to know about uh, the Mr. Man, as, as I told you before, someone preached from. Do you know what I was told just this week? There's a church not far from here and a town not far from here. And on a Sunday evening service, do you know what they used instead of the word of God? They showed the Disney film, The Lion King, to relate that the the lion, the daddy, was Almighty God. And that the young lion symbol was the Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what? There's a monkey there. He was the preacher. I said, says a lot for me then. Now, that was a Sunday night, just a few weeks ago, in the church not far from here. If I came in here and showed you The Lion King, I'm sure you'd walk out and I wouldn't blame you. And I said to the person, did they ever think that in that film the daddy dies? Our father is the one with whom alone is immortality. Paul says, don't tell me your fancy fairy tales. Pastor down there in Donoghue is hard. And he's very straight to the point and he's a bit rough around the edges and so so on and so on. And I've heard it all. And more. But let me tell you something. And I mean this from all my heart. I'd rather never preach again than do something like that. You're too precious. Your soul is too precious and I love your soul. I love your soul. Greater still, Christ loves your soul for he died for you. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, listen to what Paul says. For when we were yet without strength. Notice that when we were yet without strength. We couldn't come to where he was as we said. We were yet without strength in due time. Take the note. In due time. 
here at Calvary, here at Jerusalem, at that place and point in time, in due time, according to God's will, plan and purpose. God knew the day, God knew the hour, God knew the place, God knew where it would be. He knew the cross, he grew the tree and he says, it's all of me. It's all of God. Our salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is all of him. It's not who you are or who we think we are or what we can do or become or be. For when we were yet without strength in due time, notice Christ died for the ungodly. The vilest of sinner that truly believes that moment from Jesus of pardon receives him right ourselves. Romans 5 and 8, listen to this. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners. I think of my life and who I was before I met the Lord, and the sin that I was in, and the lifestyle that I had. Lord, why not pick someone that's good? Why not pick someone who, who goes to church every week? Why not pick someone from a, a family of godly parents? Why not pick someone different than me? I don't know why, but all I know is I am grateful that he came to me and he lifted me from the dunghill and from the merry clay. He set me among princes and all I know is Jesus paid my debt and yours. And he cried, it is finished. It's finished. People try and get it in a fight. You go to give someone something to someone, you say, take this. It's yours, it's a gift. And they always think there's something behind this. Where's the small print? Is there something I have to give you in return? It's free. Here the gift of salvation is free to those whom God is speaking to. And they must receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 1 verses 3 and 4 says, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this. Who gave himself for our sins. Now, all of these scriptures are about Christ dying. About him taking our sins. About him bearing our shame. And if you and I can be saved by any other means or method, then Christ need not have died. He gave himself for our sins. Notice that we, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Now I want to tell you, this is a, a little, one little word that's going to turn our life around. This is one little word that's really a fundamental basic when it comes to salvation by grace through faith alone. It is that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God. And our Father is even, or who is our Father. The word according is kata. And it means to control or dominance. In other words, the dominant will of Almighty God was upon my life even before I was born. That I at some place and point in time would hear the word of God. That I would see the Lamb. That I would surrender my life. That he would redeem me from my sins. That I would accept him as my Lord. That the will of God would be done. That God is sovereign. He is in charge. He is in control. He is on the throne. What he says he means and he means what he says. And in eternity he says Ken Davidson I'm going to save you son and he sent his son and he came for me and he came for you the domination of the will of God God's will in eternity past was this that he knew me before I was born that before there was a sinner on the earth there was a saviour in heaven I believer Does that not strengthen your heart to know that he knew you before you were even born? And he set his love on you. He set his heart toward you. He came, he gave himself that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Galatians 3 and 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For as it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. And that law 
is now written on our hearts. And we love him. He has redeemed us from that curse. Ephesians 5 and 2. Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. Notice, and hath given himself. Christ gave himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savour. This is like in the temple when they used to bring in incense. God would be pleased, a sweet-smelling savour with the, the lamb's throat was cut. And, and, and now the apostle says, listen, when Christ hung on the cross, there's no incense needed in your church. There's no incense needed in worship. The incense is the prayers and the worship of the saints. When you sang tonight, when you prayed tonight, when you're in your room at home, wherever you are, and you're singing and praying in Jesus' name, let me tell you something. You are a sweet-smelling savor unto God in Christ because your prayers, they are in that great giant vial of his Poured out before the throne. And one day you will see. You will know and you will understand. When he explains it all. All the meanings of our life. The things that we thought we had lost. And all the things that we had gained. That it was all wrapped up. In the sovereignty of God. Everything. Is wrapped up in him. First Thessalonians 5, 9 and 10. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. But to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. That whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Now this doesn't mean that whether you go to bed and fall asleep or not. Whether we wake or sleep. The idea is here, if you die in Christ and your body goes to the ground, you're like a seed planted in the ground. And your loved one's like a seed planted in the ground. Oh, others may forget after a while and they go on and the family mourns and remembers and then generations may pass and there may be a name that drifts into, into oblivion after a while and that person goes on generations down, they're forgotten about. But one thing is sure is this, God doesn't forget. God doesn't forget your loved one who's been laid on the ground in Christ, fallen asleep. And if Christ should return, whether we are awake when he comes or whether we sleep when he comes, he will raise them from the dead and we will live together with him. That's why he died for us. Hebrews 2 and 9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, listen to this. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. Do you know what he's saying here? That Christ became flesh because Adam sinned, fell and died. And we take on Adam's nature and germs and we go to the grave just like Adam. And fear that last great enemy which is to be destroyed, which is death. The devil himself held the keys. The devil himself was like a terrorist reigning over the men and women, the children, the sons and daughters of Adam. But Jesus came to destroy the devil and his works and he takes the keys from the grave and he says to John, I am Alpha and Omega. I am he which was dead and is alive and is alive forevermore and have the keys of death and hell. When you're in Christ, when you're in Christ, that sting of death is taken. And the terror of death and the reign of death will no longer hold you. You are free in Jesus. And the devil's works are destroyed. And the devil has no legal right nor power nor privilege over you. But if you're outside of Christ... He who cried at his finish says, I've done it all. Either accept me or reject me. But if you accept me, you will receive life and life more abundantly and eternal life. But if you reject me, he says, then I'll leave you over to the powers of the darkness of the devil. 
Oh, friend, what a terrible fate for man. First Peter 3 and 18, For Christ also hath once suffered. In other words, Christ will never suffer again. Because, you see, it's all done. It's all paid for. For Christ hath once suffered the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. He's the power of God. He lives by the power of God. Here he's quickened by the Spirit. So hanging on the cross. John 19 and 30. Hanging on the cross. We're told, And when therefore he had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Now folks, time has almost flown. And since time has almost flown, I'm going to try and round this up as quick as I can. Really, that's an introduction to this. But this is what I want to just try and round it up. The life of Christ, the ministry of Christ, and the cross work of Christ was, was the finished work of God in Christ concerning the redemption of man. In other words, the plan and purpose which he came for was completed at Calvary. Fully and totally. It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The death of the Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God, was the free will offering. Uh, It's going around some churches, especially in the States at the minute, that Jesus committed suicide. Now let me tell you something. Jesus didn't commit suicide. He freely gave his life for me and you. He came with a purpose. The death of Jesus, the Lamb of God, was a free will offering. It was a complete offering and a final offering for sin. He gave up the ghost and he died, we're told. John 10, verses 17 and 18. Listen to the words of the Master. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No man taketh it from me, But I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. And I have the power to take it again. The death of Christ. The death of the Lord Jesus on the cross. Was not a defeat. I want to say it again. It was not a defeat. The death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Was a great victory for God. He purged our sins. He reconciled us back to God. He consecrated a new and living way into the presence of God for us. He made us the righteousness of God. He died for the ungodly, meaning he died for us. And he delivered us from this present evil world. He delivered us from the power of darkness. And he set us free from the fear of death. He destroyed all the works of the devil. He died for us to carry away our sins that we should live together with him. He hath redeemed us. From the curse of the law. The cross work is the Christ's work. And the Christ's work is the work of God. And Christ said it is finished. Paid in full. It wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't a plan going wrong. It wasn't plan B because Old Testament plan A had not accomplished itself. It wasn't a temporary fix to see how things go. No, it was a predestined, foreordained, pre-planned and purposed decision of sovereign grace and electing love when Christ died on the cross. God came to save you and God saves those he came for. And that's the gospel. And you cannot save yourself. He came according to the pleasure of his own will. Good pleasure which he had purposed in himself according to Ephesians 1 verses 5 to 9. They might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are on earth, even in him. Listen to 1 Peter 18 to 20. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from the vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. 
you know what Peter's telling you and I here tonight? Before the foundation of the world, God has set in place and set in order that his son would die for us. On that cross was the son of God. On that cross was the Lamb of God. On that cross was the Word of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God, the determination of God, the counsel of God, the word, the mind and the will of God. On that cross was the grace of God, the love of God, the redemption of God, the revelation of Almighty God. On that cross was the work of God. So, Jesus cries, it is finished. And throughout the readings that we had, we see him going to the cross. And he's saying his work was to do the will of his Father. That his meat was to do the Father's will. Let me say this and I'll close. Maybe do those steps another night. John, when he's writing, he mentions the word finished. It is finished. John chapter 19, verse 28. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled. The word here, fulfilled, is a similar word to it is finished. And the word here is the word teleo. And it gives the idea to make perfect, to complete. In other words, when Jesus knew that all he had done, the ministry of his life on earth, his sinless life, and the keeping of the law, and the teaching of the gospel of the kingdom, he says one point, this has come to its perfection. You know, when something is perfect, we can't make it any better. Christ looks at his ministry and the fulfillment of the prophecies concerning him to that date. And he looks at the works of God and miracles, sign and wonder he looks at the crowd who are following him and his disciples around him and he realizes it's now accomplished and on the cross then he cries it is finished the word it is finished is just slightly different the first one is teleo this one is teleo that means to bring to an end to carry out a thing to the full He says, the expression I give of God is perfect. The word I give of God is perfected. The ministry I did for God is perfect. He was perfect. Sinless and spotless. The perfect one. And now he's hanging on a cross. He says, Lord, Father, it's come to an end. It's all perfected. Everything's been done. And he cries, it is finished. This has come to an end. There's nothing to add. But all to receive. It is said that in the ancient times, the words it is finished is the word tetelaste. It means pet and fool. Used to get a receipt. And across the top of the receipt, the first words were paid in full when the debt was paid. And they took it home with them. Like you take a receipt home, paid in full. It was also used in prisons. And they used to take the prisoners and put them in their cells and bar them up. And outside on the wall, they had a sheet there or a parchment. And they had their crime written down one side. And they had the justice or the judgment that was meted out to them on the other. Whether it was days, weeks, months, years or whatever. Or death. 
If the prisoners, say, for example, was serving time for this is what they had done, this is what they were guilty of, they would pay every single farthing. They would pay every single day that's on that sheet. But when they were released after full payment, right across it, they would have wrote, Tatalestai. And the prisoner was given it, if it wasn't a death sentence, and was taken down and written across it, that means fully served, fully paid for. And the prisoner had it put into their hands and taken to the prison doors and across the courtyard and sent out into liberty and into freedom. And it meant that if anyone came and said, you have done this, and you are this person, or you are that person, or this is who you were, that prisoner had the parchment and opens it up. And he shows him the sheet and it says, Tattle last day, my debt has been paid in full. And he could never be charged for that crime again. Ever. Now when Christ cried on the cross, Tattle last day, this prisoner you're listening to, this prisoner of sin, it was written across his account. And I was sent out with that divine note paper here in my hand called the Word of God, the Bible. And I can never stand in judgment again, ever, for my sin. And neither can you, because Jesus paid it all. If you're not saved, you want that written across your life, across your soul for that day. Jesus has paid it all. May God bless you. And if you don't know him, come to faith in him. Saving faith. and Give your life to the Lord. Jesus' name. Amen. Praise his name. Folks, thank you for your attention. I really had two nights worth there. I didn't realize it. I'm sure I never do. And this microphone, this battery must have run down in the tie mic, and this one's booming, and so forgive me. And I, I felt a bit restricted. I went around that side, and I realized the voice was dropping, and I feel me, I'm, I'm a bit of a wanderer. I was down in uh, Brookbury Island one, one night, just before came, uh, we came to minister here, about five and a half, six years ago, one of the elders took me out for my lunch. And he says, I think we'll call you Rover. He said, why? He says, because you rove from one side of the pulpit to the other. <laughs> Rover.